0: Love Talk Radio I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind I'm locked, I'm locked up, up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow could that zone come Never know just you
1: Good evening everybody and welcome to Stop Child Abuse Now, SCAN Radio, show number 3294. This is Annie Margius and I'm one of your <coughs> co-hosts here tonight. And I'm going to begin by telling you a little bit about the sponsor of this show. The sponsor is NASCA, the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And sponsor is probably not the right word. This is the show produced by NASCA. NASCA is a nonprofit 501 501c3 organization and I'm going to read the mission statement. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And tonight we have a very special guest. Our regular guest, Dr. Jaime Romo, was not able to make it tonight because he was called to a hospice. And we're happy to have Bill. Bill is the founder of NASCAR, Bill Murray, and he's here tonight. Hi, Bill.
2: Hey, Annie, thanks for taking the show on.
1: Well, you're welcome. Thank you for being here. And well, did we have proven, any particular not... topics no. that we were gonna discuss?
2: No. <laughs> I I would like to I would like to explain how this came down because it's a topic in itself. You know, everybody at Nasca is a volunteer. Uh everybody. And um so are all the hosts of these shows. The ho- we have two people assigned to each show, generally speaking, who are one is the host, and one is the helper of the host. We call it the trailer, and um, they they run these shows. Uh, and we have guests that we, when we can, uh, come on. That we write a bio- biographical paragraph, a long paragraph, about their life, and then uh, the hosts kind of interview but by way of telling a story, they interview the guests. And on other nights, we have special guests that are, um, that are assigned to the show month after month after month, and that's what Jaime is. He's the third Thursday of each month, in other words. And uh, occasionally, uh, he has some obligation to something else. This is a surprise because um, he does volunteer himself for, uh, for hospice in his hometown, and um somebody needed help tonight so he had to go off to the hospice. And uh we appreciate that. Most Nasca volunteers are actually involved in some other kind of nonprofit charity, uh some kind of rescue work, something like that. Uh or or their minister or <clears throat> you know. Um, so this happens from time to time. And when it happens last minute like this did, uh we are, each of us, uh, happy to jump in and, uh you know, lend a hand on making sure we have a good show. Now, when the special guests can't get here, what Andy's referring to as a topic is we uh, select a topic that uh, we think that might resonate with our listener tonight, whoever that is. And uh, we did not prepare a topic because this came as a surprise. But what I'm going to suggest is we wait one more round of uh, talking the two of us to see if somebody would like to call in and has a topic, has a has a theme or a topic that they'd like to hear discussed, because we're happy to discuss you know any of the thousands of topics there that are possible, uh, sort of under the umbrella of what NASCA does. And as as Annie said, we do very limited amount of stuff, but each one of those things has dozens and dozens and dozens of, uh, of uh, issues involved in it. So any issue, any topic, anything, um, we'd like the audience here that's listening now to call in on 646-595-2118, 646-595-2118. And if they do that, uh, we'll answer the phone, probably Annie will. <laughs> and, uh, I will. And we'll get, we'll get you on the line and... Uh, you know, you can suggest any topic you want that has to do with child abuse, with trauma from child abuse, with recovery, with healing, with um, wherever you are today as a survivor. Uh, perhaps you're a professional and you want to describe something that's in your, you know, on your plate as a professional. Um, so again, please call in if you have an idea because we need one. 646-595-2118. <laughs> six, <four>, six, <laughs> five, That's our main number here that works on the show every night, 646-595-2118. Now, I'll have to see if anybody calls in here, Annie. I don't know that they will, but I hope so.
1: We do have a caller, Bill. We do have a caller. I'm going to let the person in and say, hello, Uh, this is Annie. Who are we speaking with tonight? Hi, it's Philip. Hello, oh, Philip. Hello. Welcome. Do you have a question for the uh, panel tonight to
2: discuss or topic?
3: Um no, I don't have one tonight.
2: That's okay okay, I'm glad you called in Philip we We needed to have a couple more voices, and there's still space by the way for a couple more even now to come on the panel, even if we, we have... we do have another if we have, we, yeah, if we have four or five. People, but we don't need a theme because it'll just develop. <laughs> okay, let's
1: see okay. who this is. We have another caller and so I'll invite that person in. Right. Hello, welcome to the show, area code 310.
4: Hey, Abby.
2: Hey, Bill. It's Lakeisha. I'm glad I called tonight. Good to hear your voice. Oh, so much. Hi, am I.
1: welcome.
2: So we have Philip and Leticia. He's He's also been around us for a long time. Um, and uh, and then he kind of drifted away, and now he's come back a few times. So I'm really glad to hear from you. And I think you know Philip, don't you, Leticia I, I I mean I
4: I know I've been on. Well, Philip, I've never met you in person, but I know we've been on NASA together a few times. Okay, okay. I think it's you been a while now. for me. All right,
2: so that helps too. You you even know each other, kinda. <laughs> but you know. I'll make a point here. You don't have to know anyone to call in on this show or to participate at NASCA in any way you want, for example, in our Facebook groups or whatever. You don't have to know anyone because we're all we all have common experiences and we all have common uh, relationships with the trauma that developed out of those experiences. So there is no um, you know no shocking thing. I know people don't believe this at first, but there's no shocking thing that's unique to us to me, that somebody else has an experience. So the um, fact that, uh, you know, that people call in and they participate, uh, it actually helps us. It doesn't matter if we have a theme or not, if there's four or five or six people here. So I'm really glad you two have called in, and I want to encourage anyone else who's listening to call in, too. In fact, I'll repeat the number, Annie. It's 646 595 that's uh, 646-595-2118. And that, of course, is our uh, general number, our, our our main number for all the shows. And we do them five nights a week. So write that number down and you'll always have it next to your phone or whatever. <laughs> well, thanks, LaKeisha. Anything on your mind? Yeah. Uh,
4: first I want to oh. say uh, it's always nice when people call in and – when I heard uh fill up your name, I was excited that you were here because it was someone that I I do know. I mean, like I said, we never met in person, but it, it always feels nice when I call in and it's people I know. But it's also great to meet new people too. <laughs> so uh Okay, so my questions for tonight um I have two. But I think whatever whatever comes up In tonight's call, I'm down for. Um, So um, I realized that I am not, or I don't know if I'm prepared for, so my my abuser is my biological father, but a family member called me out of the blue saying that he was in the hospital. He's okay. But it kind of jolted me because I realized that I never prepared for him passing away, which, you know, it, it's going to come sometime, someday, but it really scared me. It scared me a lot because, I, I don't know, uh, it just brought up a lot of things. So I think I'm in a good place where I'm ready to have this conversation with my, myself and also, you know, I'm not afraid to ask for help. And I think the other thing that comes up for me is how trauma in, in the way it sits in my brain kind of makes me feel unworthy in my life where I'm not really – I mean, I, I am investing in my future, but there's so much around me that reflects choices I've made in the past. Like it's hard for me to – with my finances – I'm usually like, what's the point? Life is, my life is over before it started because of what happened to me. And I'm really trying, working to change that narrative. So I guess those are the two things.
2: All right, Annie, are you going to leave us or should I? We're not hearing you. You might be muted.
1: I'm sorry, i muted. Please go ahead, Bill.
2: Okay, well, um, I'm not going to let you off the hook, though, Annie. You're going to be included in this. Okay. (laughs) um, That's a good thing, you know, because we all have relationships, and many of them are broken, frankly. Uh, I don't know if this fellow is part of your family that was a problem for you or if he was sort of a normie for you or what, but, but death is common. You know, death happens to all of us, and... We don't usually think about death until we're older uh, or until something presents itself like the death of an older relative, and then we're kind of forced into it when we, when we go to funerals and, and so forth and, and, you know, laying people to rest and so forth or wakes, whatever it is. Those are ceremonies that we have at the, the end of life that remind us of that person, but we're all going to have one. I mean, we, not, we may not all have a, a awake, but we're all going to have a death, all of us. And I think, you know, when it happens for me, because, of course, I'm a little older now, um, it brings up my own death, my own vulnerability, and the fact is that I've lived more of my life than I'm going to have left, no matter how long they live, because I'm I'm not going to be 140 years old someday, you know. and it does the same thing for me as it does for you is, I guess, one of my points. And then I'm going to shut up and hear what you guys have to say. But I also reflect on how much or how little or how appropriate, you know, what appropriate place have I gotten to uh, that I could have done better on. You know, I measure myself at that time to see if I'm um, up to snuff for even what, what I thought I was going to do, never mind what the world. They thought I was gonna do. Um most of the time I come up short. Which isn't fair. I'm not short, I'm just where I am. You know. Um so let me let me ask uh, you guys what you think about it. Maybe Philip has something to say on.
1: Philip, you wanna comment?
2: Um, what was the
3: question again?
1: About death
3: happening? Um, let me see. Well, I've been to a couple funerals, and they're kind of somber for me, and they had pictures of the person that passed, and yeah, that's a little bit what I know about funerals. Does that help?
2: Thank you. Well, Philip, what I was saying, and what and what uh, Lafitte, uh said was that, in effect, when a when a death occurs, it, it it often makes us consider our own life and take a look at it in a different light, uh, because we don't always go around with the consciousness of what we're achieving now, or what, what our goals are going to be, or how well we've done so far, but that's what happens frequently uh, when we consider death, because. We're all going to go through it sometime. But he, as as the stages of our life go on, for example, at a funeral, this topic may pop up into your head, you know, automatically because it's kind of a measurement of where you are as opposed to where the person that died was. So that's the general theme. And it's not all of us are going to go through this. Uh, and, you know, the child abuse survivor is has trauma, has trauma in them that makes them hypersensitive sometimes or sometimes unfeeling. <laughs> so anyway, that's the general theme. And i uh, wondering if you have any thoughts about it.
3: Well, the way the funerals made me feel was like YOLO. You only live once. So I went skydiving and I got a motorcycle and everything. But now I can feel like I've accomplished a lot. So I'm kind of content where I am. So I'm uh, happy that I live like YOLO because the funerals that I went to made me realize that you only get one life. And when I when I realized that, it made me want to have fun. But now I want to have a different type of fun. So yeah.
2: You want to have a different type of friend than Leticia? That's pretty. That's pretty weird. Everybody wants to be friends with dif- dif- him.
3: Different type <laughs> of fun. F U N. Not friends. F U N. Oh.
2: Okay. Okay. Are you giving yourself more freedom or less when you when you want to have a different type of fun?
3: Um, I'm more considerate of other people. Oh. And like the impact that I live on people.
2: Nice. I like that. You know? Okay.
3: Bill, um, so I said fun, not friends.
2: I get it. F- fun. Um so that's good. Uh, Leticia, do you have anything you'd like to add?
4: We're not hearing Sorry, you. it takes me a minute to get to the unmute button on my phone. Um. Oh, no, no problem. Thank you. Um, I really liked what you all said. That was very, man, it just makes me want to do more, I guess, give myself more space to think about, I don't know, my life, um, I am, man, I don't know. I guess that's all I got for right now. I guess I'm still processing what you guys said.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Leticia. Bill, this is Annie, and I can comment. All right, please. Okay, Well, I heard your comment that said death happens to us all. And Death Happens happens to be the title of the book I'm writing. It's called Death Happens. And it's a collection of short stories, each one about a different individual who has since died. And about how they died and about their funerals. And it's just generally how death appeared in these people's lives. And I've been working on this book for several years, um, and I've gone through several deaths of people over these last years as well, and it certainly makes me think of my mortality. I'm like under, under the wire to finish this book before I die, you know? I'm 67, and... You know that's okay. I've got a long time to live still, but I've been going to funerals of people younger than me. We don't always make it to one hundred and twenty like I want. Um, but I hope to I hope to i'm I'm working hard on getting stronger and uh, you know having more stamina and more strength in my muscles because I know that's important. And I and I walk every day. I know that's important. If you don't walk every day, you won't be able to walk. So I do that. Um, so yeah. So I have all of these stories, and I have to say that it's been very cathartic to write a, write these stories. I do write fiction. That's what I do. So it wasn't like a surprising thing for me to do this. Um, but I I would recommend journaling or writing a fictional story, if if you want to do it that way. I like fiction because you can change things and nobody can say anything. It's like, this isn't true. I made it up. You know, so you can make it, oh, I want it to turn out this way. And so you make it turn out that way. That's one thing about fiction. Or you could just journal about your feelings. Just sitting down and writing without stopping. Just letting the thoughts come. Empty them out. I think that Something that I would
2: do, Letitia? I really like like that idea. It's something that... Yeah, go ahead, Letitia.
4: I I like the idea of writing a story and making it fiction. (laughs) That sounds really fun.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You can make it up uh, as you go along. You can create characters, create places they live, style of their life. And all the stories about their life—you make it all up. <clears throat> and then That's what I says, do. Oh, and <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was—I
1: was, I was going to say I actually got revenge on my abuser in the story. Revenge. In the story, yep.
2: That's pretty cool. I confronted cool, so... him
1: on his deathbed. You know, I didn't actually do okay. that, but in this story, I did.
2: interesting that's very cool yeah I like that idea how about you Alicia right pretty cool yeah I really like um, that yeah so let's explain what journaling is for anybody who doesn't know it it's a technique of writing where you're on a regular basis and often it's it's daily uh and you sit down with a with a notebook pad or an, a notebook, <laughs> and you just start writing whatever's on your mind, and uh, you just keep writing, as as your mind your mind will change thoughts as you go along, and then it'll start getting freer with the thoughts that it brings in, and eventually, if you do if you do journaling, over time, you'll you'll learn a lot about yourself because you'll see things that are sort of themes that repeat, or you know or that you know, to come up again and again and again. Have I described that okay, Annie?
1: Yes, and I was going to say it will reveal things that you're hiding from yourself. For me, anyway, things will come up and go, oh, wow, I really didn't think about that, and yet there it was in my subconscious. That happens a lot. And um, I make decisions in journals. I just, you know, I'm just writing, and it just suddenly seems obvious what the right decision is. I guess I probably was writing pros and cons. I don't know. But I have done that, made decisions. Sometimes I've gotten carried away and started
2: writing fiction in my journal, but I try to stop that. (laughs) Yeah, no, fiction in your journal is not where you go. You go with the truth,
0: whatever the (laughs) truth
2: is in your head. You know, it's your per- perception of the truth, of course, and it can change. But it's not it's not right. deliberately fixed. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs>
2: <clears throat> what do you think, Philip? You ever doing any journaling?
3: Yes, I was journaling consistent for like two weeks about a month ago.
2: Oh really? Did you? Uh-huh. Uh, did you have any interesting thing happen?
3: Well, I would. Was- talking to somebody on the show and they gave me some pretty good journaling prompts.
2: They gave you a problem.
3: Some journaling prompts,
2: P R O M P T. Yeah.
3: So those, I use those once or twice.
2: Can you tell us what they're like or or even if just no one or two of them?
3: Um, it'll take me 30 seconds to find them. If you have the time, well, maybe more like, well, here they are actually, um, the prompts
2: oh, the,
3: are... the past
2: 30 seconds, let me tell you.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what, where, who, when, and why? Right. Have you ever used those prompts, uh, Yes, Bill? I
2: have. Yes, I have. Um, when I write, I always use them, to be honest, uh, especially if I'm writing nonfiction. But I suppose you could apply them to fiction... We know the parameters of the fiction you're writing, but um, who, what, when, where why, and how if you could add how to it too, are the um, are the questions I ask myself when I'm trying to write like an article about somebody. Um, if I want to describe who they are and, and why I'm writing about them, who, what, when, where, and I works. Pre- why works pretty good, uh, and and how also, if if it's, if it's needed. So that's my experience with those um, uh, teams, you yeah. know. Does that sound right?
1: <laughs> Excuse me. I had to sneeze, so I had to <laughs> go off the phone. Did you ask me something? Bill?
2: Yes. There you go.
1: I think you I think you asked me if I ever use the five Ws and an H. Yes. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, I do yes. because because sometimes in my fiction I have had a reader tell me I'm not sure where this is or I don't know what the time period is. It's important. Readers want to know that. They want to know who is it, where is it, when is it. And the rule in journalism is you enter those five right at the front, right at the beginning of your article. And I think it's a pretty good idea to get it in the first couple paragraphs anyway of fiction.
2: Right. I agree. I agree. So these are tools that you can use in a lot of ways, but uh, both Annie and I have done some journalism um, in our past journalism classes and so forth. I never used my journalism until now. <laughs> now I do, huh. <laughs> but um, I never I never had a writing job. You know, I always had uh, an editing job or a or a, a cameraman job or something like that. But um, now I'm not producing things in that sense. I'm producing them by writing, and you have to, um, well, you don't have to, but I choose to use the skills of journalism, which I did learn but never use uh, now. And it really helped <laughs> to have that in my offer, you know.
0: Mhm.
2: Yeah. I mean, maybe you guys don't like me. You know, that's what I used to develop it. <laughs> uh, Phil, can I ask a fact, question? Yes, a question.
4: Oh, Thank you. I was wondering, when you say skills of journaling, I was wondering,
2: could you you share a few? Can I share a few journalist things? Yeah, Uh,
4: like skills, I guess skills that you learned uh, around that.
2: Well, um, yeah, I'll I'll teach you something. (laughs) One time I was in a radio news class, and I was supposed to write... News stories based on what was happening, and uh the whole class was challenged to do this and Then we were challenged to write a second uh, story, and then we were challenged after that to connect the two now they were wildly different stories. the so one might have been about fishermen and the other might have been about a priest in the Catholic Church. you know <laughs> they were very different and but we had to um connect them. And the uh, person with the most clever connecting was going to work, was going to win, the, you know, get the A in the class. And uh, so I thought about it and I thought about it. I came up with something that was pretty unique, I thought, and essentially connected, you know, fishing with being a priest. Uh, and um, so that's pretty good, but you didn't win. The person who won is so-and-so as is a girl in the class. A woman in the class. And he said her thing that connected the two stories was the word and. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so they talk about the fishing out you know, out on the ocean. And in Los Angeles, there's a priest to it. that. <laughs> so that's an example. You know, One of the things that taught me, uh, taught me a, a, a rule, or not a rule, but it suggested to me something about the process of writing that I, I could do, which is simplify, really simplify. Because, uh, you know, you don't have to get grandiose and colorful. You don't have to. You can. You don't have to. So who, what, when, where, and I are simply things that when I write an article, I used to write articles about... Uh, community policing. So a lot of the stories were about um, police departments and crooks and the community and how they all – and sometimes the jails or the criminal court. And those were pretty challenging because you wanted to be accurate and honest, but you also had to be interesting or you wouldn't have a readership. <laughs> so um, – but I always used those those rules, too, because I had to say – who, who this? was who in the story? Uh, what what story was? They didn't, I didn't do them in this order, by the way. Uh, who this? What the story was? Uh, when did it occur? You know, what were the What were the um, results? Why did all this happen? And it, you, had, you you didn't use them in, in that order necessarily, but that's the set of things, set of rules. And how sometimes? Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Uh, actually, how entered it fairly often with a police story, since people always want mm-hmm. to know uh, how did they figure it out, or how did they, you know, how did they get, how did they catch it out? So does that help you, for for example? It really did, Bill. I appreciate you teaching me something, man. <laughs> yes, yes, that was a good story. <laughs> okay.
1: I can make another comment about journaling that came to yeah. me. And that yeah. that is something I slip in there often is a gratitude list. I'll just, there oh. just list off a few things just, you know, without stopping, not making a list, just writing them on the line and just as they occur to me and then stopping when they stop occurring to me and going on with my journal. That's good. I don't make a special time for gratitude lists, as they recommend we
2: do. Right. All right. Does well, you have anything you'd like to add?
4: About journaling?
2: No, or, or about the, um, the things who, what, when, where, why, and how.
4: Oh man, okay. It's okay. I haven't used the who, what, where, when, and why since grade school because it was part of my learning in in English and in English. But okay. I did have a college professor that reintroduced me to the um, the basic English and writing principles. But um, right. I definitely like listening to you guys talk about it. I definitely. Want to take those and start journaling with them to see what comes up.
2: I, I believe it's a healthy way to get stuff out of yourself, and you learn stuff. Don't try and don't try and give yourself direction. Just like to uh, be in the flow, you know, when you're writing, and stuff will come out. You'll recognize, hey, I wrote about that two weeks ago. Or, hey, that keeps referring, you know. <laughs> wow, I never thought of that before. All those things. So, yeah, it's a good learning tool. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Who has something else they'd like to talk about? Anybody? No, No? I have some other things, but I don't want to take up all the space. But, you know, I I got a list in my pocket. You don't have to take up all the space because you notice how... Philip just jumps in and interrupts everybody. Everything Philip says is on point. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
4: Okay, so I I don't know if I know how to frame this as a question. I tend to ramble. So there I have a friend who is in the process of recovering from childhood trauma that kind of overflowed into their adulthood. And I'm really proud of them for how vulnerable they're being to getting help. Um, But my friend... And I've been in the same situation, and I I don't know if I have the right words to describe it, but um, it's kind of like... When it comes, I, so I'll focus on me. So when I want to be in a relationship with someone, if it's romantically, I think mostly rom- romantically, but also with plutonic relationships as well, I feel like my trauma shows up in a way where um, it gets in the way of me having a relationship or building a relationship. I feel like uh, I tend to need constant validation from the other person that, let's say if it's a romantic relationship, like they love me or a friendship, you know, that they're my friend, like it's important that they call me or get back to me when they say they will. If they invite me somewhere or I invite them somewhere, it's important that they follow through on those things. Um, so uh it's like, Let's say uh, someone says, hey, Lakeisha, I'm going to call you tomorrow. I'm like, great. And they don't call me. So my immediate thinking is they lied, they hate me. And I'm not aware of this thinking when, it, when it's happening. I just feel dread and I feel self-disgust. And then it like transfers to another state where I'm thinking something horrible must have happened to them because that's the only reason why they wouldn't call. It can't be because they lied, you know. So the way that would show up, it's either it comes out where I am calling and texting them to make sure they're okay, you know, wanting an explanation, or I'm just sitting in a space with myself just really trying to sort out what's going on with me and where this is coming from. And I feel like a lot of times, well, in the past, I would just be suffering and just just in this total angst. Um, So I think me and myself, man, I don't know. I mean, I think what I've decided is to not, like, pursue any relationships romantically because I don't have the space to address that. And I feel like it really... It just destroys whatever I'm trying to build, or we are trying to build. Um, but I think on the friendship line, I've seen some growth. Where I think I've outgrown those feelings. I mean, they still come up, and they're hairy and scary. And some days I just have to lay down in bed, um, which I'm I'm, great. I'm glad when I do those things. But um, I'm able to see where the trauma, <clears throat> which part is the trauma, and which part is me and kind of ground myself. Um, but I'm having a hard time with this, this person in my life, my friend, who's kind of going through the same thing with uh, their relationships with people. And, I mean, I just, I wish, I wish I knew what to say to help give them perspective or to help them not be in so much pain. But it's like I don't even know what to do with myself. I don't know, I hope that made sense. You guys still there? Hello? I'm
1: here. Are you there, Bill?
4: Oh, okay.
2: Oh, I needed.
4: am here still. <laughs> oh, okay. It's needed. okay. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes my phone will disconnect. But um, that that's all I had.
2: Well, um let's see. I was just saying something, and now I forget it because I had to unused the phone. Uh, all right, come back to me in a moment, Annie. I'll, I'll have it.
1: I know how that is. Um, well, I can respond a little bit to uh, your um, description of descending into the worst possible thing happened. You know, co- going from, well, I wonder what happened. Oh, they lied to me. Oh, no, they, they on purpose didn't call to me because they hate me. And then, oh, no, maybe they were in an accident. Oh, man, they must be dead. Yeah, I've done that. I've done that. And, um, and needing constantly assurance. I don't have a lot of friends, but the ones I do have, I like to have reassurance from them. I don't like to ask for it, but that sort of makes a friend to me is someone who props me up and assures me that what I'm doing is a good thing, unless it's not. But... Um, yeah, reassurance. It's it's really imp-
2: important to me,
1: and I think that's all I have to say, Bill.
2: I don't know how I got there, but I was going to comment on the fact that a lot of times when we're um, we're going to be helping somebody, we're trying to help somebody, uh, you know, and and um, and they haven't really healed very much. It doesn't matter if we've healed very much or not, because we have uh, some, such similar experiences. We can get a person to talk with very little information because we have our own information that we're relating it to, and it's right there. It's not hard to find. Uh, I think um, that's what I was saying, something about that. I don't know how I got there, what the transition was. (laughs) But anyway, that's what I was thinking when I realized I was on mute. (laughs) Uh, What a life, huh?
4: I can relate with that, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> well, I really appreciate what you both said. I, I don't know. It makes me feel. It makes me feel like what I've, I'm experiencing is, is, it's it's normal. I guess to be human.
2: That's right. It's normal. Absolutely.
3: Sorry for interrupting, but I have to leave because I have to go to an NA meeting. But I'm grateful right. for the show. Thank you for Thank having you. the show,
2: guys. Thanks, Philip.
1: Fun? See you later.
2: Bye, Philip. Bye. Bye. Well, that was nice to have four people here for a while. Let's let's uh, uh, offer the spot and more to somebody else who might be listening because we're about halfway through the show. Uh, These shows are an hour and a half, 90 minutes, so we're 45 minutes into this one. And we don't have to fill 45 minutes more, but we probably will. We almost always do. Um, However, let me describe what we're doing. We are the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse, and we sponsor this show. We promote this. We produce this show. Use Annie's word. That's a good word. We produce this show uh, five nights a week, Stop Child Abuse Now. Scanned. Stop Child Abuse Now has done 3,800 episodes, I believe. No, oh, and uh, so we've, we've done a few of these <laughs> over the years. And um, what we do is uh, it, it is different each time. But we're all volunteers. We're all survivors of child abuse, and uh, we're in very different parts of uh, of our life. Of course, and that's fine. Um, but it doesn't really matter because we we find there's so many similarities in the in the, um, the responses that we have. That's what that's what trauma is. Not that people don't have the same uh, you know ex- experiences we do, but we how do we relate to them is different. And traumatized people are hypersensitive <laughs> in many ways, and sometimes we have besides the uh, kind of "Quote normal," unquote, uh, uh, result of, uh, of a of a of an event in our life. We have a super super result, and <laughs> and we succumb to it. Unfortunately, these can be positive and they can be negative. So you can get you can be a hypersensitive and running all around and don't, like a cat with, I mean like a ch- chicken with its head cut off, or, or you can uh, you can be um, deeply depressed and not even think about taking the covers off your head for the whole day. <laughs> Either one. <laughs> and all the things in between. <laughs> so we mm-hmm. want you to know that tonight's uh, show had a scheduled uh, guest, but he uh, works, He works, well, he's a minister. And in this case, he was asked by a hospice that he volunteers for to come over because there was someone in a crisis. So, of course, he did. But he called us before he went that I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to do my regular Thursday night, which he does three, the third third Thursday of every month. And I hope I hope we're not calling too late for someone else to jump in there. So I was called, and um, Annie was already here, and so I joined Annie, and we're going to do what we call a theme night, uh, which can be anything that relates to. Child abuse or trauma, it could be about us. It could be about, you know, the rules of the road. It could be about psychology. It could be about spirituality. It could be about being uh, abused, different kinds of abuses, uh, who perpetrators are, anything at all you want. Um, And we'll do this for the rest of the the hour and a half, so another 40 minutes. Uh, The number to call is 646 595 646-595-2118, 646 2118 646-595-2118. I hope you do consider calling in because nobody has to be any specialist here <laughs> at all. And we all have things to share. Uh, you can't share wrong things, you know. Uh, so would you call in and give us a hand? 646-595-2118. Uh, with me are Annie and... Uh, who is it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I'm Duo. Uh, and so the three of us are, are, are still here. There was a fourth person, I believe, just a few moments ago, Philip. But we have space, plenty of space for a number of people to call in if you like. But so please do. Yes,
1: please
2: Everybody call in. Can... Yeah.
1: I'll be the one answering the phone, and I'm not scary.
2: Oh, <laughs> no, she's not scary at all. <laughs> so, it is
1: kind of scary, to... you know, at first if you haven't if you haven't spoken about abuse before in a public way. It can be very scary, but it can also be so healing because yes. you realize that hey, I'm talking about somebody else's behavior, not mine. It wasn't me. I didn't do anything wrong. This is something that was done to me. And that's the kind of realization I was able to come to in speaking publicly about it, and especially speaking to other survivors about it, because I saw so many commonalities. I call them symptoms, because so many of us have the same symptoms.
2: That's right. Uh, what Annie's referring to Are all the things that can happen to us They're all kind of universal And how we respond to them Kind of universal <laughs> And we don't think of that We think that we're the only one That it ever happened to uh, Yeah. And we grow up with this, with this sense of shame And, and responsibility And she's, she's related uh, But it didn't happen that it, 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 We caused it It happened to us Not, not by us uh, Trauma did, or, or abuse did and out of that abuse brings trauma, and out of the trauma we're trying at this point in our lives to find uh, a way to heal. And there's lots of information about healing on our website and with other survivors here. Just just talking to another survivor begins the process of healing. Um, so I, I said before, even if we don't have the same experience as somebody, um, it could be helpful that the uh, receptor of, of, of what they want to say about what happened to them, and that's it you know we need to empty ourselves of, and not be judged you know, empty ourselves often of the experiences uh, without um, worry about what people are thinking of us you know because they've done it too they're in the same boat and, um, so org is the website N A S C A dot org Uh, We recommend it. It has all kinds of services and tools and ideas and resources and articles and plus uh, people to call. We list our phone numbers, many of us, on the website. Uh, Rather than have an 800 number, uh, since we're a small, nonprofit organization that doesn't charge a thing for anything we do, we have a very limited treasury of people who have made made donations uh, that, that have added up in a small way. But we don't, um, we don't, we haven't paid for much of, of anything. <laughs> and we don't, and that's deliberate. We want it to be as easy as possible to join us. We don't want any bar, including the need to pay for it, to be in our way, in, in your way. So, uh, this is, uh, this is a free service that uh, we volunteer to put together and, um, Five nights a week, it's the show. One of the things we do. <laughs> so, any any questions about anything Nasca does would be fine too. You know, if you want to want to understand us better. Or... Now, I mentioned healing before, Annie, and I just want to I want to say to people who are listening that what we're talking about is healing. Uh, say, psychologically or emotionally, but many of us call it spiritually, which I do, because that encompasses so many things. But the idea is that we, we rearrange the molecules of ourselves when we put ourselves on that, on that standard. <laughs> you can almost feel it happening. Um, but, uh, it's happening, but it's a way of realigning ourselves to health that we had lost because we were concentrated on all the bad stuff, and uh, we didn't we didn't remember that. With, with all the bad stuff, there's also good stuff. And inside of every person who is uh, who's got uh, you know bad habits, there's also the capacity, at least, for being gentle, for being kind, for being helpful, you know, for uh, for positive attributes. So. We find those when we when we start to heal. But anyway, there are lots of types of healing, and we could talk about that too. Uh, if you're if you're out there and you're wondering how to heal, we could talk about that. Annie said just a few minutes ago, you don't have to have any kind of background or experience to come to us, because you'll find over time you'll find people with the same experience you have, and you'll certainly mm-hmm. understand right away that we don't judge each other. So, uh, right, Annie? Yeah. Yep.
1: Well, I'll talk about a type of healing that I found really, really helpful.
0: Okay. And that, and
1: that is peer-to-peer groups with other survivors, oh, yes. going to groups yes. not led by a psychiatrist, although they have those too. But the ones I went to were um, like non-profit organization kind of would put on the groups, and it would just be telling my story and having other people listen to it and then telling their story. And it was so healing. I I went to that twice a week for years, and it was very, very healing to me. That's one method. And you can find groups on the
2: Internet. Well, I, um, I'll tell you mine was that, um, I had a a little problem with drinking and using drugs, (laughs) a little one. (laughs) Okay. And, um, I was pretty much an alcoholic and a drug addict by the time I, I decided I needed to help myself or get help. And, um, and I, I found Alcoholics Anonymous, which somebody recommended to me. And, um, I went because we had dinner together, and he didn't drink a single beer, and I was amazed. <laughs> <laughs> but he knew everything about Alcoholics Anonymous, and I was, so he droned on and on and on about all the things in the program, and I found out later he had, like, three months worth of recovery, and he, he was studying himself about all the things that it could do for him, <laughs> I mean, he was repeating all this stuff. But anyway, I just wanted to get him quiet. And I said, you know, I noticed you're only drinking one beer. And he said, well, that's because I belong to AA. And then he started telling me about AA. And uh, he talked for a half an hour. And I finally surrendered by saying, wow, this is all fascinating stuff. Do you think I can go to a meeting too? (laughs) I kind of invited myself (laughs) to the first meeting. (laughs) And he was pretty clever. He didn't tell me there were meetings every night, which there were. There were meetings morning, noon, and night in Los Angeles. But he um, told me about a meeting on the next Thursday or something, and it was a speaker meeting. And and usually they're powerful meetings because they pick somebody who has a good story or knows how to tell a story or whatever. And this woman spoke that night, amazing, and she really impressed me. So I started going to an occasional meeting, like a lot of meetings, like one a week (laughs) for a while. Then I I drank again, so now I I set up the alcoholism again. uh, It took me a little while to gather the strength to to go back to meetings because I thought I was going to be uh, told I was a loser. But that's not what they do anyway. They welcome you back. Uh, They give you a new chip called the welcome chip, (laughs) and they let you – into the group without explanation and over time they let you share and stuff. So that's what I did. And what I learned in AA was that the process of of, uh, healing in Alpha Anonymous can be used for any other group uh, or any other um, symptom that needs to be healed. So gambling, overeating, or uh, substance abuse, you know. uh, All kinds of things uh, could be corrected by the the use of the 12 steps. And I I thought, well, if that can happen, why don't I try applying it to child abuse? I knew what my problem was. I just had never had anybody help me. (laughs) uh, So I started applying it, and it wasn't that long before I was up to a place where I was feeling results. And uh, soon I... I, um, I started talking about the results <laughs> and I attracted a few people to me. We actually held separate meetings then, uh, alongside, not alongside, but separate from the well-established AA meetings. And they were, uh, for, uh, father the Eventually I had one in my house. This is years later. And, uh, my house was in Florida at the, at the moment, and then I, um, had, I had a good experience with how many people were coming and what they were getting out of it. And finally, when COVID occurred, they stopped coming to the house because nobody could go to anybody else's house. And that's when we put some of them on Zoom, and we found out that works too. And so it has some Zoom meetings now, but it's three a week. Uh, we have five radio shows and three meetings a week and doing um, great guns. know there are people that sometimes do have meetings in their own homes or special meetings or they are, they are there to help others so that's what I started to say is our phone numbers are on the website because we don't have an office <laughs> you know, uh, our, our organization is at our memberships desks and computers and cell phones. <laughs> No matter where they are, they'll answer their phone. No matter where they are, they'll join Facebook, the so Facebook groups we have. Uh, and no matter where they are, if they can, they'll, they'll join the radio show. So all these things are kind of deliberately available to everyone all the time. And that's part of what is all about, you know, that availability all the time. So uh, and, the free, uh, and, the, and the freeness, you know, the uh, liberty that join us because it doesn't cost a cent, ever. <laughs> so, well, there you go. What was I talking about?
4: <laughs> you, you were talking about the services that NASA offers. Yeah, I did
2: that, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just didn't remember the question. <laughs> I got the answer now. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I'm but really
4: glad I called Me too. Me too Yeah I, I like being on the show with you and Andy You guys are really cool
1: <laughs> Thank you You're pretty cool too Yes,
4: you I are. try, thank you
2: We have a lot of fun And then if somebody joined us And they were in a really down place That'd be okay, too, because really what might happen is if a person was new, for example, and didn't know anything about how to heal, and we found that out, we would stop doing the kind of talking we're doing and we would focus on them. And we'd give them the bulk of the show, the energy of the show, because there's nothing more important for us than helping other people who don't yet know that healing is possible. Uh most people who are alcohol, me, who are child abuse survivors, trauma is so great they think they're the only one that's ever experienced this. I think I mentioned this before, and there's nobody that can ever understand an Alcohol. That's not true. That's what, we, that's what we think. Many of us anyway. So um, I've seen these shows, uh, you know, come to an end. Not just the kind of sharing we've been doing tonight when we discover that there's somebody on the phone that's, you know, hurting. Because we don't want them to hurt. We want to help them. That's our, that's kind of why we're here. <laughs> so, but we're all, we're all ready to do that no matter when. Feel free to look us up on the website. <laughs>
1: I'll back and up a, the a, idea a, that healing is possible. I, I always like to tell people that healing is possible because I used to hide in the closet and I couldn't work and I was just an awful mess and now look at me, I can talk on the radio. I mean I grew into a real person who could do social things and have a life. I wasn't that before and I credit that healing to mostly to those groups of fellow survivors that in writing. So right. healing is
2: possible.
1: You can get better.
2: Right. And I didn't want to apply that you have to imply <coughs> that you have to apply 12-step process. It, but the groups that I'm describing are similar to the groups you're describing. I don't know if these are 12-step. But there are organizations that have uh, their own kind of group, and they're not a 12-step group. I'm thinking, for example, of the Morris Group in uh, San Francisco that's, that branched out and holds um, holds meetings. Uh, you know, they they have... At one time, they had a of a couple hundred meetings all around the place. And um, you can find them by going through the website or through the Internet. And they had nothing to do with 12-step work, but, you know, they're there. And they obviously work there where you couldn't have a hundred groups uh, can't fool a hundred people a hundred groups at a time you know? <laughs> so, yeah. and then there's all kinds of other things there's psychiatry and psychology uh, there's um, there's meditation these are tools I, 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 I mm-hmm. uh, uh, what you call it? Um, hypnosis? I was not trying to think of the word. <laughs> um, there's all kinds of things that you can add into the, the salad bowl of things that you've got mixed up in there that you're going to eat <laughs> to heal. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what an analogy. <laughs> I would
1: say a really important tool for me has been reading, reading the, like, the psychiatry, psychology books related to child okay. abuse, as well as the memoirs of people who went through it.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. And we started out talking about writing, or not started out, but it was early in the show. And mm-hmm. the fact, of we, did, we didn't relate this to the fact that um, many survivors do write Material often books. Sometimes they're autobiographies. Sometimes they're they're not. Uh, they're treatises on alcohol recovery. But a lot, of, a lot of people end up writing books. Some of them enter into recovery thinking about the book they're eventually going to write someday, and that it's going to be a fantastic savior for so many millions of people because nobody's ever heard of a story like their story. <laughs> but that's not true. <laughs> we find out. Like I said before, that um, yeah, a lot of us have that impetus at, at first, or have that sense of it at first, but that so many people have similar stories that we write it anyway because it's going to help somebody. But uh, mm-hmm. nobody writes it. Uh, really, there are few people that write these books that uh, expect to get rich and have a house on the beach. <laughs> That's not <laughs> how it works.
1: People don't especially like to read about child abuse, I'm afraid. You know, it's it's a rough book to pick up, knowing that you're going to be feeling bad.
4: By right. It. right. Yeah, it
1: takes courage.
4: I agree. Well, I can't say from my own experience that, um, I guess my own adjustment to everything you guys have said, um, like uh, support groups, um, survivor support groups, very helpful. I've gone to some, I'd like to go to more of uh, the meetings that NASA has on Zoom. I mean, I don't always um, participate not because I don't want to it's just there's sometimes when I've called there were so many people in the room who had things to share and it just it was a moment for me where I just didn't feel alone like I wasn't the only one experiencing things and it's nice hearing someone else's words to something that I am familiar with it gives me a new perspective Um, and what else Man, Bill, everything you said about NASA, 100% true. Because I've been on some of the calls when someone would call in and the meeting would shift to supporting that person. And there were many times when I was that person. And you guys were just amazing uh, when it came to giving support. And sometimes... Like everything everyone shares with Baskin brings to the show is so important and impactful. But I think the biggest thing that you created here is that you care and everyone that volunteers and calls in cares. And I think that's the most impactful and effective thing when it comes to recovering from this. It's just connecting with someone that cares. So to everyone listening, just so you know, that's what you'll get. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. <So. laughs> Thank you. I really, I really appreciate Bill and Annie and everyone that's behind the scenes and who participates. It really, it really matters, and it, it matters a lot to me. Thank
2: you. And often, often what happens is it's just what Annie and I are talking about, and now you're talking about it is once you get kind of the gift of uh, of being on a healing journey <laughs> uh, you know one of the things that occurs to you is you'd like other people to have it too so you start to pass it on and that's how uh, a 12-step program or also a peer-to-peer program also one of these Morris County Morris uh, County you know, programs all these things they work that way <laughs> you um, you know, you don't think you're going to make it because you're different than everybody else. Then you start to realize you're not different than everybody else, and you start trying a few things that were recommended to you. And by gum, <laughs> you, you actually get some experience with those things, and they start to work. And then they start to work even better, and you start to notice that there are people be- coming in behind you now because you've been there a few months. And you've been working on your program and you started to get a healing journey, but the newcomer that's there a couple of months behind you, they're lost. And you're lucky that they showed up. They're lucky they showed up. Uh, but there's, there's how you pass it on. The people who really need it don't even know they need it. <laughs> but, um, you know, to impress on them that you, you understand because you were where they are too and you're not anymore. Uh, So I think passing it on is a really uh, important facet of all these peer-to-peer type things.
4: I like what you said, Bill. That's very true. And I've found with myself, like, even as I'm learning and growing and healing, there's people in my own life, friends, strangers, and I'm just like, hey, did you know, you know, you can heal and it's amazing because I used to be the person who well, Bill or Bill would say or some other NASCA member or someone in some other um, whether it be a therapist or another survivor you know you know there's there's more to life like it does get better and the feelings I would have was like maybe for you not for me like I'm different this is hopeless and I really I tried it because everything else I tried failed. And I'm like, well, you know, I can't sit here in my, and wallow in my own suffering if I don't try this. Then once I try this and show everyone that it didn't work, then everyone will see and I'll be justified to just sit here and wallow. But the day when I realized that when I connected with what y'all are saying is true, I was like, oh my God. And I didn't even have time to feel bad. I just felt so good. I was just so happy. Um, not that all of my problems are solved but just that one moment to realize that it was possible I tell everybody I know and they gave me the same energy that I gave y'all well y'all couldn't see it because it was over the phone (laughs) and I just I was like wow I remember when I was there and I just I tell that person you can do it you can do it you can get there I used to think that and, and it's true. I said I never thought I would be the person to say that it gets better, but it does. So, yeah, that's all I got.
2: Well, that's an amazing testimony. I think <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> appreciate that. You really did sound like a testimony. That was that was very that was kind of cool. <laughs> that's so <laughs> yeah. So, but it's not unique to NASCA. I want to, you know, I try, kind of always try to say this: we're not, we're proud of what we do, of course, and we'd love for you to join us, of course. But we also know that there's other pe- other places and other people, and you know, that's up to you how you how you want to do your recovery. But we can we can guarantee you that if you, if you uh, come to NASCA and you apply one of these programs to your problem that you will start to feel better and if you apply them uh with the help of another person in recovery using the same process then it catapult you into a new dimension you know uh where the healing journey is is amazing you know and that's what that's what uh Lakeisha was t- talking about the that you know you then you can't get down <laughs> for a while <laughs> but I'm trying to be accurate. It may sound I'm being over the top with what I say here on this show, but I'm trying to be accurate, and I think I am being accurate with, um, you know, my testimony, basically. Uh, so please try this, please, and look uh, up with somebody to help you. There's a contact list. There's a list of volunteers. There's, a, there's all kinds of... There's uh, uh, people in the chat rooms, in, in like Facebook. We have a couple of groups in there. We have a, a closed and open group. We have thousands of, of people, and many, many of them, especially those that give me permission to put their name and phone number on the website. They expect people. That's why they do it. They want people to call. They expect people to call. They're hoping people will call. <laughs> and uh and so we facilitate that. It's getting permission from them, of course. But we put it on the website and they would like when so they would like it there. So these are all volunteers and they're all determined to be helpful because somebody helped them. Probably, usually that's where.
4: Sometimes when I'm engaging in the world and I'm I have to deal with I like what Annie said someone else's behavior so my perpetrator's behavior has wreaked a lot of havoc on my life and I'm taking responsibility to undo those things for myself and for my my family and sometimes A lot of times when, you know, I'm talking with uh, judges or people that work in the courthouse or people that work in the um, uh, social services and whatnot, I feel like sometimes my experience can be so invalidating. Like, I feel like they don't hear me. Um, I feel, sometimes I feel like I'm being abused all over again, like, and I'm not saying that's what they're doing, but I can definitely say if I don't feel like I'm being believed and getting what I feel like I deserve <laughs> from another person in those scenarios, because I'm just trying to do the right thing, it, it can be very, it, it, it's very hard. But one thing that I, I always have in my pocket, and I got this because I called. I just didn't call on the show. I would call the numbers on the website. Um, um, I called you You called me Shoot (laughs) So And I also Utilized the resources To find support groups On NASCA But what it What it's given me is Wherever I go in my life Even if I feel I'm at rock bottom Or I feel like I have no one That has my back I know there's NASCA And It's not always an individual face Which I like I just like you said, there's thousands of people that are part of this organization that are there and who do understand what it is to be a survivor. And that's a really powerful that's a really powerful thing. And you know, it, it gives me it just keeps me standing up tall, like, well, I have NASCA so and there's thousands of people that know and understand and do believe me, even if no one in here has the space to. And I really, I'm very grateful for that. And, and I would love for other people to know that feeling too, because it's, it's very powerful and it helps. Well, exactly. I mean, we have um, membership from all over the world too. Uh, so the only
2: limit to getting help by using the phone numbers we offer, are, um, is, is the other person awake right now? That's about it. <laughs> they'll, either, they'll either answer the phone or they will, maybe a message machine will, but if they're awake, they'll, they'll answer most of the time. And they're, and they're not disappointed that they're getting a call from someone who got their number off the website. They're, they're happy about it. They want, That's why they put their phone number there, or they asked me to. They want calls. They're looking forward to calls. Now, let me say something about the, the courthouse stuff you were t- t- talking about and how you get the feeling that they may not care and stuff like that. This is not, um, not unusual. And it's similar to um, we said very early in the show that you can get recovery from a psychi- psychiatrist or psychologist who doesn't relate to uh, child abuse, uh, but you won't feel that comfortable because they're really not giving you what you need until you find somebody who does have that experience, and then you feel connected. The ones you feel most connected to are fellow survivors who became psychologists. And because they have their own story and their own understanding, and it's a personal understanding of what recovery is, they often are the best kind of uh, healer to come along for you if you want psychology. Well, that's the same thing in... um, in, in these groups and so forth and you know we we want we um, want you to know that this is a kind of a gift that was freely given to us and we want to freely give it to you and um, you know it's wow <laughs> now the people in the, in the court I started to say they may not get it because they're not in recovery okay? and they've been doing the same job over and over and over and over and you know at first, a lot of people in civil servants who are civil servants are really looking forward to spending their career there, and then after a while they get jaded, and they're going, is this, is "This is this what I get? You know, uh, maybe the um, benefits are good, but geez, the same thing over and over and over again." Uh, I've heard that before, but anyway, they they kind of turn as they're jaded, uh, so they're not as fresh, as excited as uh, personal as they used to be. I don't know, blame them, but that's, that's why they're that way. I get it, you know. Uh, <laughs> but it's unfortunate because they're doing it um, to us, not for us. They don't, they don't know that they're doing it. They're just people who have their own life experience that doesn't have to do with the same life experience as us, but they have a certain job. And they have to do it a certain way, and that's that. <laughs> we're we're not limited here. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. That's very well
4: so said, Bill. I really appreciate you saying that.
2: You bet. You bet. Yeah. Ugh.
1: I have had my phone on mute because my dog was going crazy. I'm sorry.
2: I hope you enjoyed it.
4: Yeah, we love dogs. I love dogs. I do. I like dogs. Oh, thank you.
1: She's a little chihuahua, and she gets a little bit jealous when I sit here on the phone like this. And so she finds things to
4: bark at. I have a dog and a cat. They get jealous every time I'm on the phone or computer. And even, you know, hearing that bark, oh, hearing your dog bark, they're like, who are you talking to?
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah, they're pretty wonderful for healing, they are. You know, I didn't have a dog for many years, and now I have one, and it's just the the, um, unconditional love. That she gives me. is such a joy. I, I'm sorry I didn't have that for more years. It's it's a wonderful thing. I had cats, but it's not the same. The unconditional love of the dog. Uh, it really it means a lot to me. And also that low-worn body. It's a little chihuahua, so I can just hold it like a little teddy bear. And it's warm and fuzzy. And, uh, yeah, pets are a joy to me. And very healing.
2: There she goes. Well, this is the first time I've ever had a dog that was small, which which I'm really enjoying. I didn't expect to. But um, we we needed a dog we could travel with. So we call him our travel dog, or we used to. (laughs) And we can put him in a bag. And he he goes on the plane with us and stuff, you know. He goes in the seat in front of us. And that's that. You know, uh, so taking him on the road is no big deal. Having him here, he fills our house. He's a tiny little thing, but he fills our house with, you know, his emotional state. and joy. He's just joy. Yeah. The dogs love it. They love life, and they love you, and they dedicate yeah. themselves to that family. That's it. Generally, with one one person that's the main leader, but everybody gets love from a dog too. Yes yeah she's got <laughs> enough good. love for everybody <laughs> That's right, that's right. He doesn't get jealous either much <laughs> if you uh, not much <laughs> you know, sometimes, yes, but <laughs> if I'm honest, but usually, um if you give a dog an opportunity you'll you'll see him smiling a lot. they smile <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> what kind of? he bill? He's a, he's a Maltese and a Pomeranian mix. So okay. He's eight and a
0: half pounds.
2: He's eight pounds. It's, like, it's like the size of a cat. <laughs> yeah. He's
1: furry,
2: Yeah, that's how big mine but,
1: is, too, cat size.
2: Exactly. But he's. Um, it's
1: great. I can hold her in one arm.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh. Jack is our dog's name. He got named because of how he jumps up and down when he wants something. <laughs> Jack, Jack in the box, Jack the well, Jack the cliff, Jack the pole of his candlestick. stick. <laughs> I remember. Uh, Jack, uh, yeah. We named him that, and it's really been true. He still jumps. Uh, when uh, my wife especially uh, is putting him to bed, that's the last thing that they do together. He 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 stands at the place in the kitchen where the the cabinet that he knows the treats are in and he jumps and he jumps and he jumps and he jumps and he jumps. And he jumps. <laughs> he, calm down, you know you're gonna get one. <laughs> but he he wants one now, you know. <laughs> so she gives him like three or four on the on the on the little bed that he has a little rug. <laughs> He's as happy as a clam. <laughs> It makes me laugh. It makes me smile. Yeah? You know, really. They're amazing.
4: Since you said that, Bill, I'm gonna give mine some treats right now.
1: Aww. <laughs> I just walked well, out here ahead. to where mine is by the window so I'd get her to stop barking. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't do that when I'm in the living room with her. She won't go there and bark like
2: that. She's just mad. Or Jack, if you, if you mistakenly uh, clunk something on the coffee table, maybe the remote control makes a sound and you put it down because you put it down too hard. He'll, he'll jump up and start barking at the door because he thinks it's coming in the door <laughs> whatever it is. Oh, <laughs> He, he barks at things on the on the television. Sounds on the television occasionally, not not often, but things like that. You would recognize a knock on the television. <laughs> he barks. <laughs> they are characters. They are characters. This is the first dog I've ever had that uh, you know I allow on the couch and the bed. The other dogs have all been mm-hmm. forty five pounds. And, Sixty-five pounds. It's too, it's too big to get on the bed, and too big to right. get on the couch. So they have to sit over there. You have to lay down over there. I <laughs> point to the place. But this guy, he he jumps up to almost everything. Can't jump on a piece of furniture like a end table, coffee table, but he can jump mm-hmm. on the couch, the upholstered stuff. Do <laughs> um, something.
1: I don't think oh, I would no, no, no. be able to keep mine off the pouch.
2: <laughs> oh no. Even we, if we, I tried. We, we have various Oh, things it's that time we, for us um, to go. Yes, I was just about to uh, say that. I'll
1: do the sign off. This is this has been Nasca's radio show Stop Child Abuse Now. Scan number three two nine four. And this show will be archived so that you can Listen to it again if you would like. And the show comes off five nights a week between 8 and 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And you're always welcome to call in. And now we'll say goodbye and put on the music. Bye, Bill.
2: Bye. Thank you.
1: Okay. Bye. Bye, everybody.
0: That's gone.